Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Nathan Rohde, I'm John Manuel. We're back in our old school podcast nook. <laughs> Nathan, we've, uh, we're relocating, and hopefully the audio quality will be back to our high Baseball America podcast standards, which is kind of a joke. <laughs> uh, just trying to have fun with it. It is a podcast. We try to keep it, uh, you know, try to keep it light here at baseballamerica.com, but also give you the hardcore baseball talk and information that you've all come to expect from us. We have emails at podcast at baseballamerica.com. We're going to read some of those in this edition of the podcast. And Nathan and I are going to talk top 100, but Nathan also here to talk about our high school preseason uh, issue. We got our preseason top 50. We got our high school All America team. Nathan and Matt Blood did a chat the other day. It's all up at baseballamerica.com, so check that out. But let's start off, of course, Nathan, with our top 100. Uh, I thought it really, you know, the issue looks fantastic. The issue of the magazine, uh, obviously, it's, uh, it's online. It looks great online as well. We've got a contest uh, st- sponsored by Majestic Online, which is something we're really happy about, something we're excited about, a, a good partnership for us. Um, but a, a, a feature in this year's Top 100, Nathan, that we're really excited about, the split decision feature, maybe it's a little bit, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a little self-referential, but it is our ranking, it is our list, and people do like to know what goes into it. So we kind of pulled the curtain back a little bit, and you get to see a little bit of the thought process behind uh, how we rank some of these guys, and we had our split decisions. There are ten of them online, five in the magazine. Uh, which one jumped out to you? Which one really kind of uh, captured your fancy, Nathan, as a as a really intriguing split decision, a difficult choice we had to make? Well, the most intriguing one to me when I was flipping through the magazine and looking at these was actually Kasuke Fukudome versus Jason Hayward. Because to me, it, it, the title really can't say enough about this comparison, apples and oranges, because to me, you've got Fukudome, who is a, already an established veteran. He's basically he could, a big league free agent. Pretty much, because he played in Japan and played so well in Japan. After Ichiro left, he was really the center of attention. And then you got Jason Hayward, who we all think has the potential to be a future star in the major leagues. And he's 18 oh, yeah. years old, while Fukudome is 30. So to me, it's almost, you know... What do you want in the long run? So in a landslide, it's Hayward. But at the right. same time, if I want to win in 2008, I want Fukudome. Absolutely. So it's a very intriguing decision. If you um, want to win this decade, if you want to win in 2010, you want Fukudome. Exactly. So to me, it is an easy decision on one part, but in the same time, it isn't so easy. So what was your thought process in making your decision, and did you actually weigh those different aspects of it? Yeah, well, that, that's a hard one. There's no doubt that's a hard one because uh... – yeah, to me, if there's any place that's going to rank a guy like a Jason Hayward higher, it's Baseball America. Um, I, I guess the main thing is with the top 100, you don't do this for every guy, but you're always trying for any prospect ranking. It's short-term gain versus long-term. And I think you're always trying to say who's going to have the best career. But, you know, at, at this point, Jason Hayward's career, we don't really – I mean, he's pretty wrong. He's only the 14th overall pick. Uh, you know, a lot of teams talked about how hard it was to scout him last year because he never got pitched to. So he's really one of the bigger unknowns out of last year's draft, and yet everything we've heard about him, uh, people who have seen him uh, and have seen him you know, get pitched to and seen him handle velocity and all these kind of things kind of rave about him. I mean, they all think really, really highly of him. So to me, there's a chance, I think it's a pretty decent chance, that Jason Hayward is a top hitter out of last year's draft who's not Greek. He's not Mike <laughs> Mustaka. Um, I think Mustaka's will be the best hitter out of last year's draft. I really, I'm on the, I'm driving the Mike Mustaka's. Uh, uh, well, I'm trying to think how you say bandwagon. Stalinika in Greek. Uh, <laughs> I forgot it. 
Um, so for me, Jason Hayward's probably the the most intriguing high school hitter, at, high school position player after Mike Mustakas uh, in last year's draft. So um, that's why, to me, he has to rank kind of high. Fukudome is going to rank pretty high on our top 20 rookies. We're working on our Major League uh, preview right now, and that will be on newsstands in a couple weeks. If you're a subscriber, you'll be getting it pretty uh, in about a week and a half, two weeks. Um, so you look forward to that. And Fukudome is going to rank pretty high on that ranking. But I think number 30, to me, you know, I think that there's a, a real consensus, uh, and I just talked to a scout uh, who scouts Japan uh, for another feature we're doing uh, over email this week, and he's pretty high on Fukudome. He's higher on Fukudome than we are, and he's also higher on Hideki Kuroki. Uh, I think I got his name. Kuroda. Kuroda. I think it's Hiroki Kuroda, the right-handed pitcher for the Dodgers. Uh, he's a little bit higher on Kuroda than we are, too. Um, and I, I think that you know we're going to take that into account for our, our rookies list. We didn't rank Kuroda in the top 100. I think a little bit more information that we just got is a, just, a, you know, just a different scout's opinion than who we talked to before. Uh, we're always gathering more information. kind of has changed my mind a little bit. I've come, I'm coming around on Kuroda. But that's another – you could go apples and oranges on Kuroda versus a younger pitcher uh, you know, who's in this range. Say Nick Aidenhart, who's at 24. Uh, who would you rather have? For three years, I'd rather have Fukudome and Kuroda. Long-term, major league career, I think I'd rather have Aidenhart. And Jason Hayward, and that's the balance we're trying to strike in the, in the split decisions at Baseball America. It's a, the Baseball America podcast. He's Nathan Rohde. I'm John Manuel. We're talking a little bit about our, our split decisions. Another you know, split decision that I really uh, enjoyed uh, working on, Nathan, uh, was the first baseman, uh, which we had on the, kind of on the next page, uh, where we're talking about three guys that are pretty similar but uh, you know, have some differences. Lars Anderson, Joey Votto, Derek Barton. The crazy thing is I did not expect that I would be the Derek Barton defender. Um, and maybe I'm putting a little bit too much into the small sample size. But he hit for power in September last year in the PCL playoffs and, again, in the major leagues in his in his big league debut. Uh, he was pretty impressive in the Pacific Coast League playoffs. I think he hit nine home runs in the month of September. He basically had two big months last year, June and September, and the rest of the year he was just kind of okay. Uh, but I think he's going to hit. Um, and as for the power... I guess I'm banking that he's not going to be the next Sean Burroughs, that he's going to actually develop some of this power. <laughs> um, but, you know, to me, I'll take him over Joey Votto. But I think that, you know, Lars Anderson is a guy who's poised to be a top, a potential top 10 guy uh, in, next year's, uh, in next year's top 100. He could be that good as a hitter. I mean, people are talking about Justin Smoke and Yonder Alonso and, of course, Pedro Alvarez in this year's 2008 draft. I'm not sure those guys were all so much better than Lars Anderson. I, I think he's got... As much offensive upside as any of those guys, especially the two first basemen we're talking about, Smoke and Alonzo, or Alan Dykstra, who probably also could be in this uh, conversation at Wake Forest. So uh, you can see where my head is. I'm, I'm top 100 high school and top 100 college, top 100 <laughs> prospects. They're all the top 100s are running together. But uh, uh, was there another split decision that you uh, that you liked or that, that caught your fancy, or did you like that one as well? Well, I like the first baseman first baseman one as well because I'm a huge Lars Anderson fan. I think he has a lot of upside. I really fell in love with him last year when uh, the Greenville Drive came to Greensboro and I was at a game there and he got jammed on the inside corner. I mean, he literally hit this ball off the handle and I know Greensboro is small, but he hit it down the left field line, so opposite field for him, off the handle for a home run. Wow. And that's when I was like, this guy has power. This guy can hit to all fields. He's going to be good. And I've been watching him ever since, and I'm a huge fan and cannot wait for him to move up in the ranks. But also, I wanted to take a look at the uh, the future A split decision. Okay. Jabba versus too. Clay. To me, you can't lose. 
Right. And to a lot of people, you know, you really can't lose it with this one. You picked Jabba. I personally am a little concerned about his past history uh, in terms of his body size and some injury history. Right. But I still think he's going to be a great pitcher, whether the Yankees go with him as an ace or a closer. Uh, so this one would have been the toughest decision for me. But was it really that hard for you being a big Jabba fan and a Red Sox fan? Or were you able to split this one down pretty easily? It was pretty difficult, actually, because I did our Eastern League prospects last year, and Clay Buckholtz was unrivaled as the number one prospect in that league. Uh, Jabba was in that league as well, but he didn't qualify. And it was tough. Uh, you know, I never asked anybody who I talked to in that league, strangely enough, about Jabba. They just kept bringing him up. <laughs> I knew he didn't qualify, and I had a deadline, and I had to get this stuff done as soon as I could, and so I wasn't even asking about Jabba. People kept saying, you aren't going to ask me about Jabba? <laughs> I mean, seriously, every manager or scout that I talked to, I'd say, well, sure, if we want to talk about Jabba Chamberlain, let's talk about him. Um, and that's how my the, the, the snowball kind of started going for me. I mean, I, you know, I've always I've seen Jabba Chamberlain in college. I haven't seen Clay Buckles, but I've seen them both in the Futures game. Uh, talk to both of them. They're both impressive guys to talk to in person. Clay Buckholtz, very confident and uh, just a classic kind of athlete to me. Uh, Jabba Chamberlain is a little different deal, and I honestly think they're two separators for me. One is the fastball. They're both, I mean, they're, they're three and four. They're both really, really good. <laughs> and we've seen them both excel already in the major leagues. I think Jabba Chamberlain pitches off the fastball more, and I'm a fastball guy. I want to see a guy get an out on a fastball in the big leagues when he has to get an out with the fastball. Uh, that's the source of my man crush on Nick Blackburn, apparently, and that's the, that's what, make to me, makes Jabba a little bit better. But I'll also take the makeup. You know, Clay Buckholtz has a pretty big strike in his past makeup-wise. I mean, the guy had this whole deal with the computers and the laptops and when he was at McNeese State and all this stuff. I mean, it's behind him. It was a youthful indiscretion all that. And he's learned from it. He's not a bad guy. I think he's you make mistakes when you're a teenager, and you can learn from them and move on. But Jabba Chamberlain's spectacular makeup. It's off-the-charts makeup. I mean, he's kind of pitching for his dad. I mean, he was raised by this polio dad. Everyone knows the story. Um, I think that's a little extra something something for Jabba Chamberlain. It gives me a little extra confidence that he's going to get everything. He has a little extra drive uh, that other players maybe don't have. And uh, the scouts I've talked to have no concerns about the delivery, the arm action. You know, maybe some of them are the same guys that didn't see anything wrong with Mark Pryor six or seven years ago. But uh, I'm pretty confident in Jabba Chamberlain. Uh, it sounds like the Yankees are going to handle him with care. The Red Sox are handling Clay Buckholtz with care. Uh, I like. I think both these guys have a chance to really be superstars. And uh, I had Jabba Chamberlain one on my board, uh, on my top 100. So for me, Jabba is the best prospect in baseball. And I actually think he's the best pro- pitching prospect uh, that I've seen at Baseball America in the time I've been here. Uh, Mark Pryor and Josh Beckett are probably the two other guys who have come along since I've been here in 1996 who have had that tag. Uh, it doesn't mean that those guys became the best pitchers. I'm just saying they were the, the most hyped pitching prospects, uh, those two guys. And uh, I think Jabba Chamberlain has better command than either one of them and better secondary stuff than prior. Uh, I think that Beckett has had the best stuff of anybody who's come along since I've been here. Just the 80 fastball, 80 breaking ball, I mean, sick stuff. And also just that cocksure, I know I can dominate you whenever I want attitude that makes him Josh Beckett. Yeah, that uber confidence. I think Chamberlain has some of that, and I think he has some of that nasty streak, too, that Josh Beckett has that also makes Josh Beckett so special. And uh, I, I just think he's I think he's how he's what you want in a pitcher. He's got four pitches. Two of them are 70s, if not 80s, on the 2080 scale. He's got velocity. He's got a good arm action. He's got durability. 
uh, in terms of his size. Uh, the only question is he's got to go out and prove that durability and throw more than 120 innings in a year. And uh, that's really the only question mark that I have about Jabba Chamberlain. So I'm I'm pretty high on on uh, on Jabba. Uh, it's the Baseball America podcast. He's Nathan Rohde. I'm John Manuel. Let's read some emails, uh, Nathan. We had three of them. Um, we'll talk about one of uh, well, Brew, uh, Brett, I should say. I'm not going to try to pronounce uh, Brett's last name. It looks like it's Krushke, but I guess I just did violate what I said. I am <laughs> going to try to pronounce his name, Brett Krushke. Um, it's probably not that. Can you talk about one of BA's favorite prospects from a few years back, the enigmatic R- Ricky Weeks? Um, is it possible his wrist is now healthy, could finally put his health issues behind him? Uh, what do you see from him the, f- the next few years he enters his prime? Um, what do you think of Ricky Weeks, uh, you know, Nathan? I've, uh, I've had dinner at the Drover with Ricky Weeks. I don't know if I can speak... Uh, but I can speak uh, dispassionately about Ricky because when you go to the Drover with somebody, it's a, it's a, it's a good deal. It's, a, it's, it's Omaha's finest, and uh, I have a hard time putting that behind me. What do you think of Ricky Weeks? What well, do you see for him? I like Ricky Weeks. I am a little disappointed in his Major League performance, you know, last year and the That's year fair. before. It was, you know, a little underachieving, I think. And, yes, I'll give him the, the fact that he had a wrist injury, and that can bother you definitely a lot at the plate. Uh, but I am confident that he may be able to bounce back. He might, If he's not a superstar, that's okay. He can still be a productive second baseman for a team who is going to compete in their division for you know a few years now. So I like Ricky Weeks. I think he'll come around. Uh, I have not had the pleasure of meeting him like you have, but I have met his brother. Uh, Jamile yeah. is a great kid, and so I like the family. It seems like they all have their heads on straight. So Hard not to root for Ricky Weeks. Exactly. I, th- I think he'll come around, and I think he's in a good position to do so. He just needs to not let the setbacks bother him. Maybe that stint in AAA last year helped him out a little bit, really put things in perspective. And who knows? He could blow up this year. You know, he's, he's 25 years old. Um, he's really an example to me, Brett, of – uh, if you're still listening out there. <laughs> He's really an example of me of player development that goes on in the major leagues, and this is something I, I think Baseball America is going to try to do more of in the future is focus on those young big leaguers and write about them a little bit more because there is a lot of player development that still goes on in the major leagues, and Ricky's one of those kind of players. Um, you know, his uh, on-base, his OPS has gone up every year he's been in the major leagues. You know, last year was a career high in slugging for him and a career high on-base percentage. He draws more walks. Uh, he's hitting for more power. His defense is getting better. He still hasn't played more than 118 games in the major leagues. He's got to show some durability. He's got improvements to make, but I think he's going to do it. I think he has a physical ability and athleticism to do it, and he's just not finished developing. He's 25. He'll be 26 in September. I, he's still young. I, I think he's due to get to that prime when he's 28, 29 years old and really uh, be a Jeff Kent type of offensive player at second base. And that, that's the kind of future I see for him. And I know that's putting some pretty high uh, expectations on him, but that's what I see out of Ricky Weeks. He's just got sick power, uh, unbelievable bat speed. You just can't teach it. And I think as long as he can stay healthy, he is going to be uh, you know, an exciting big league player and I think a very productive uh, big league hitter. So um, for me, I, I'm still bullish on uh, Ricky Weeks. Uh, got a couple more emails we'll read at podcast at baseballamerica.com, keeping up with our – um, our 2008 New Year's resolution here, Nathan, to, to read more pop- podcasts, uh, read more podcast questions. Luke Good uh, also emails, and Luke's email address is baseballamerica12 at yahoo.com. Nice. So uh, we got to like that. Love. Yeah, I, Luke, I hope you don't get a lot of uh, junk email now. Which prospects do you think are prime for breakouts or big years? Who has a chance to move up 
in the top 100. His bets are Enhel Beltre, Clayton Mortensen, Tim Murphy of UCLA, Garrett Cole, and L.J. Hose. So Nathan, so uh, if, you had to, ahead. if you had to pick a pick to click, Garrett Cole or L.J. Hose, who do you like better? If you had to pick one of those guys in a fantasy draft, you're picking a high school player in a fantasy draft, which one would you take? Right now I'll take Garrett Cole because of the plus fastball. L.J. Hose I like. He's an athlete. I think it's going to take a little more seasoning for him to uh, to really take off as a prospect in the minor leagues. To me, uh Depending on where he's drafted and how much he's offered, I really don't see. Uh, I see that there's a good chance he's going to be playing for North Carolina yeah. next year. So, and to me, Garrett Cole, you know, he might go straight into the minors. They'll both get developed, but right now, I'll take Garrett Cole. I think that's a safer bet. You're going to take. The, I think just in general, most scouts would say, "Give me the hard throwing right-hander from Southern California over the toolsy outfielder from DC." Yes. I mean, that's just you know, just going from a straight profile. I would take the guy who's pitching more year-round, who's still in that kind of velocity, probably the best present velocity of any high school pitcher, correct? Yeah, he does have the best fastball of any of the pitchers that we're seeing right I th- now. I think I would take Garrett Cole in that fight as well. Um, Angel Beltre, that's the Chris Klein Memorial pick-the-click <laughs> right there. Uh, Angel Beltre, he did not uh, make three of our top 150s, but on the other list was number 27, uh, or number 26, whether, whoever Chris uh, ranked him. Chris loves him some Angel Beltre, and... I like him too. I just there's some questions about the bat from the Arizona League managers I talked to, and that might take some time. But Clayton Mortensen is also a good name to pull out, Luke. I'm a Clayton Mortensen guy. If he matures and he did some of that last year at Gonzaga, and then the very few college senior drafts who have his combination of present stuff and projectability, so uh, he's a good sleeper pick to click as well. I'm turning into Ken Hawk Harrelson here with all my uh, pick the clicks. I guess that makes you DJ, which is unfortunate. For That's you. too bad. <laughs> uh, one last uh, email from William LaCates. Uh, I should say Joe LaCates, actually. I'm reading the wrong part of the email from Easton, Maryland. Uh, he thanks us for the podcast, and we say you're welcome. Curious as to how you think Pedro Alvarez's injury will impact his draft status, given the compacted schedule, and he'll never see uh, be 100% this season. Do you see a slide in his stock? Uh, it's even more comp- is, he, is it even comprehensible that with Boris in tow, Alvarez could return for a senior season for more money and a weaker college cup of hitters? Uh, so, Joe, thanks for that question. And I have breaking information on Pedro Alvarez. Talked to a couple scouts this morning already, and they're both telling me that you know the Boris Corporation uh, and NCAA are both in lockstep on this, and that they don't like the release injury information if they don't have to. Um, so they haven't. Uh, about Pedro Alvarez's injury. We don't even know which hand it is. The scouts I've talked to, and again, this is, this is it is what it is. It's scout. It's, this is the rumor and the buzz in the scouting industry, but I'm going to report it as rumor, not as fact. The rumor is that it's a hammock. It's a, it's, a, it's a broken hammock, and it's his bottom hand, which is his right hand, and that's a problem. That's a big problem. Pedro Alvarez is probably not going to be at 100% all year offensively. Because even when he gets healthy, hitters, and I did this story in 2004 in our minor league preview issue, uh, the, the worst injury to have for a pitcher is shoulder. Not the worst injury, but a bad injury for a hitter is hand slash wrist. And then for a year or so, you just don't have the same power you used to. And the guys I talked to for that feature uh, never got it back. Jason Stokes, Brad Nelson, uh, these guys are kind of in the where are they now file. It doesn't mean you can't overcome it. Uh, Casey Koshman was a guy I talked to for that story, and he overcame it. Um, but Pedro Alvarez, if it's a hammock bone injury, he's, you're going to really not get a straight-up evaluation on Pedro Alvarez's hitting ability all of 2008. 
It doesn't mean that you can't evaluate him. It's just not going to be the definitive evaluation of him because he's not going to be right. So you can evaluate him defensively when he comes back, and that's an important part of whether or not you're going to commit a major league contract and big-time money to Pedro Alvarez because he's more valuable if he can play third base. And if he's playing first base, if you project him as a big league first baseman, well, why would you mess with all that money and the headache of Scott Boris if you consider it a headache? Um, if you don't have to, if you like Justin Smoke just as much, or if you like Alan Dykstra almost as much, and he's a lot more, uh, more uh, cost-effective for you, or if you like Brett Wallace almost as much, or if you like Ike Davis almost as much, there are a lot of college first basemen this year. So if you think, if you evaluate Pedro Alvarez on the defense this year, and you don't think he can hack third base, he just doesn't, you're just not going to be as willing to pay for that. So I do think it is in the realm of possibility, Joe, that Pedro Alvarez comes back for senior year. I sincerely doubt it. I don't think it'll happen. I think he'll get the money that he seeks. He's a Boris client. He's really talented. There's a long track record of this guy hitting from high school to college. Uh, Team USA. I think he'll do it. I think he'll get paid. But if if this is true, if the rumor and the buzz out there that it's a right-hand Hammett injury is true, that's going to cloud the evaluation of this player. And if the evaluation of him is clouded and you're having to commit $10 million to him or you're being asked to commit $10 million to him, that's tough. It's tougher to do when it's clouded, Nathan. There's no doubt about that. So great questions. Send them in, Jerome, at podcast at baseballamerica.com. We're already running a little late with this podcast because I'm wordy. And we did uh, we did three, uh, three podcast questions. But, Nathan, we're going to touch on our high school preview issue, very well executed by you and Matt Blood and – Daniel Bedent, let's give a shout-out to Daniel and our production staff. Uh, really look sharp. Uh, grab a copy of the, of the issue. And uh, let's uh, let's hit on a couple things in our t- preseason t- uh, high school top 50 and our high school preview issue. First of all, uh, Nathan, I think uh, a familiar face at number one in the preseason top 50 in Wilson, Long Beach, Wilson High, which I mentioned Sean Burroughs earlier. This is Sean Burroughs' alma mater. It was 10 years ago this year that uh, Sean Burroughs was a senior at Wilson High School and then became a first-round pick. Uh, I just have Sean Burroughs in the brain today, apparently. But uh, what made Wilson High our, our first, uh, our number one team? Well, they did lose uh, their shortstop, Ryan Dent, who was really the center of their offense last year, and Elliot Glenn, who is now playing for UConn, the right-hander. But they still have Aaron Hicks back, and they still do have you know, several D1 signees, and they play a very competitive schedule. They played the same schedule last year. They snuck into number one when Seton Hall slipped in May. Right. And then never gave it up. Exactly. They never could get it back because Seton Hall's schedule is a little weaker. Wilson plays in probably the toughest conference or section or whatever you want to call it in the country because right outside of L.A. and San Diego there, you know, there's a lot of really good high school baseball. Absolutely. So the consensus number one with our committee was Wilson. And they've got I'm, talent. Aaron, Aaron they, Hicks is a pretty huge talent. They have very ways. big talent. So it'll be really interesting to see how things play out uh, at the end of March when we have two big tournaments in Southern California where at the National Classic, which will be in Placentia, California, sure. outside of Anaheim. The Phil Nevin Classic. The Phil National Nevin Classic. Classic. There will be seven teams from our preseason, preseason top 50 in that tournament. So we're really going to get to see how these teams shake out against each other because they're going to be playing each other in these tournaments. So I think our other pick-to-click, kind of our number four team, is the one that we thought was, when we were gathering all the information before the voting, we thought would kind of that was the odds-on favorite to be number one, but they ended up at number four, and that is American Heritage High from Plantation, Florida, with seven Division One scholarship commitments, 
two preseason All-Americans and five players in our top 350 yeah. prospects. That's exactly. uh, that's an impressive group. And I think Matt Blood's actually going to get the chance to see them in person uh, coming up later. Uh, next well, week. Yeah, this is just next week. March the first 7th March. to 9th is the uh, weekend of the tournament in LaGrange. American Heritage will be there along with Coleman and Charles Flanagan, who are also in our top 50. I really like Heritage. They have a lot of talent on the team. I love Eric Ho- Hosmer. I've seen YouTube videos, and this kid just has unbelievable power for being a high school hitter. The, the knock against Heritage is their schedule is weaker than most Florida, California, or Texas schools. They're 3A. The highest in Florida is 6A, but they really don't play out of that 3A. They don't have okay. a lot of competition where they are. So that's the knock against them, why they probably are at number four right now. But they could prove us wrong. They could go to LaGrange, and they could really sweep that tournament and really make a name for themselves. So that's why it's a preseason high school top 50. Right. Let it play out through the season. And I think Heritage and Wilson are really going to be the teams to come out of this top 50 with the most news to talk about in terms of proving themselves. And Heritage, I think you, I think you said it very well, Heritage really got uh, next weekend is huge for them it is. Uh, to prove themselves on a national kind of stage, and uh, that's why we're going. That's why we're going there. <laughs> and that's and then you talk about the seven guys in the top 50, that's why you're going to the, the OC, uh, not to see Misha Barton, hopefully, nope. but to uh, – uh, but you could do that uh, easily at your computer. I'll do that in my own time. But uh, <laughs> you're going out there to see these ba- these high school baseball teams, and uh, California is swarming with scouts right now. Aaron Fitt is down in San Diego, uh, checking out uh, a lot of the best uh, pitchers in the country at the University of San Diego's tournament this weekend. And then uh, there's going to be a lot of heat down in Georgia next week, uh, and then there's going to be a lot of heat out in the OC when you go out there. So uh, we're trying our best at Baseball America to, to give you some firsthand information about how that. Uh, how these all go, and uh, we'll keep covering it as we've always done it uh, at the high school level and the college level, uh, both at Baseball America, the magazine, and then at BaseballAmerica.com, and here at Baseball America, the podcast. We'll keep spreading the brand out. So, Nathan, we're going to have to hit more high school stuff later on in the year. We might just need to have a an amateur podcast, <clears throat> amateur podcast one of these Mondays. Uh, but we'll talk more about the what Aaron saw in San Diego on Monday's college podcast. And I'm, I'm telling you, what are the uh, not next week because you're going to be out of town. But uh, following weeks, we just need to have a, a you and uh, Aaron just have a college, high school, uh, amateur podcast extravaganza. I just came up with that That'd idea. I think it'll be good. <laughs> I think the people out uh, listening would, would like that, too. So until next week's podcast, for Nathan Rohde, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next week on the Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody.